podcast where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about Jason Brightman's 2018 comedy, Tully, written by Diablo Cody and starring Charlize Theron and Mackenzie Davis. Tully tells the story of an overwhelmed stay-at-home mother who lets her brother hire a free-spirited night nanny to lighten her load. Do you know what a night nanny is? They take care of the baby at night so mom and dad can get some sleep. I don't want a stranger in my house. It's like a Lifetime movie where the nanny tries to kill the family and the mom survives and she has to walk with a cane at the end. Get over yourself. Mom, what's wrong with your body? Hello. I'm Telly. I'm here to take care of you. I'm just not used to people doing things for me. I hold a baby all day, and then nighttime rolls around, and I'm supposed to just switch gears. Like, hello, all sexy now. You're empty. Yeah. No, you're empty on this side. Your 20s are great. But then your 30s come around the corner like a garbage truck at 5 a.m. Girls heal. No, we don't. We might look like we're all better, but if you look close, we're covered in concealer. You're convinced that you're this failure, but you actually made your biggest dream come true. If you want to run off or something, I get that. Because I want to do that too sometimes, but I'm not gonna. you with everything you can't fix the parts without treating the whole yeah no one's treated my whole in a really long time (laughs) i'm so excited to talk about this movie it really really hits me in a lot of specific ways who has some stuff to say i have a lot to say about telly i love this movie and same it really really gets a lot right about what mother it is like what being a grown-up is you know i mean it really it hits a lot of sweet spots for me too for sure so i was gonna ask christina i know that it's a very motherhood centric movie were there moments that you could hard relate to for me i did diablo cody i think she's my age and a lot of the references i think where it hit me the like where I could relate to it is you could really tell what when she was younger, like her 20s life and having all of these dreams and things that you thought you would be doing and you're older now and life maybe didn't turn out the way that you thought it would be. What do you do? Human resources, the company that makes protein bars. My English lit degree really paid off. Okay. Uh, so what did you want to do? Um, I mean, if I had a dream that didn't come true, I could at least be pissed off at the world. 
I kind of identified with that part, being an adult, and now that I'm in my 40s, remembering the younger version of myself and what I thought was cool, what I thought was important, and now I have different, like, the younger self of me, like, if I saw myself at 40, what I think I was boring, just not cool, what is cool, I, I, I identified with that part of it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's nice, too, because Tully doesn't think that Marlo's lame, She's really sweet about it, and right, yeah, <laughs> she seems kind of excited about it, and she makes Marlo feel, you know, like she's accomplished something with having these kids, and not like she's a failure. Right. Or she's actually built a beautiful life, which isn't always—it's not a glamorous life, but there's right. beauty there. Yeah, when I was younger, just thinking of that I don't really know what I expected, but I really related with that—the twenty-something mentality—and I didn't really have a full grasp on the reality and what real life was, anyways. So <laughs> there's that part. There's also just like the boundless energy of being in your twenties. <laughs> I uh, think they get that yeah. across really well. Thank you for cleaning the house the other day. You really. I really didn't have to do that. No, I enjoyed it. I'm like Saudi Arabia. I have an energy surplus. Oh, all right. And I love that they're the same person. It sort of makes that transition seem okay, like less of a tragedy that you can't have all this stuff going on anymore. The hotel is like, well, I'm I'm dating like five or six people. I did this thing. I'm working all night and then I'm going to go <laughs> to this art thing. How she's just constantly on the move and she has so much going on in her head versus yeah. Marlo, who's kind of <laughs> on autopilot because she's dealing with adult shit and mothering shit but how that's okay and those are just different phases and there's no you know there's i like how non-judgmental it is about everything this movie is kind of anti-judgmentalness which i think is a message you don't see very often <laughs> uh, yeah not for motherhood that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i know I'm sure you love the scene when she's in the coffee shop and orders a decaf and the very helpful lady's like, just so you know, there are trace amounts of caffeine even in decaf. I know. Let me just get a decaf skim latte. You know there are trace amounts of caffeine even in decaf, right? Huh? Oh, this, yeah. Just so you know. Still want it? Yeah. Yes, the just so you know comment. That whole idea is like, if you're pregnant or have a child, you become everybody's business. Yes. And I just want to say that it's kind of like, no matter what you do, someone's got something to say about it. Because for me, I'm not a drinker anyway, so it was very easy for me not to drink while I was pregnant. When I was having kids, I wasn't a real regular coffee drinker. I remember when I was pregnant the first time, many times being out to eat in a group of people... And just like, oh, I'll just get a clip of soda or whatever. And people had something to say about that. Like, you know, when my mom, my mom drank when she was pregnant or an abuse, it's fun. Like, if you just have like one drink, you know, and it's sort of like, <laughs> really no matter what you do, oh, yeah. you're doing it wrong. You know, and it's not like I was sitting there going like, oh, I wish I could just have one little drink. I don't really drink anyways. And I had a friend a long time ago who had a child with fetal alcohol syndrome. So for me, it was like, it was very easy not to drink during pregnancy. 
But even then, people have stuff to say about it. You really can't do anything right. I mean, people are just projecting their own shit onto you. But for some reason, it, it seems okay to the general populace to do that when someone's pregnant. Because like you said, you become public property. You become like everyone's business. The children belong to everyone or something. I don't know what the fuck it is. But it really is like that. Everyone's got some shit to say. But like only when it's convenient for them too. Because I remember lots of times standing on the bus with my big fucking belly out. And not very many people would offer me a seat. So, it's really when it's convenient for them to have some shit to say about you. Oh man, there were so many moments that were so specific and true. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. It looks like you're about to pop, that whole thing. Everyone loves to say that. Oh, are you a maternity leave yet? You look like you're about to pop. Yeah, Friday was my last day. <sighs> Such a blessing. Yes. Everyone loves to say how you're carrying. If you say we're not gonna find out, they're like, oh, I could never do that. You know, people just always have to. I'm a planner. <laughs> 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 I'm not finding it, which I didn't find out either time. Because I'm a no spoilers person. It's, oh, I could never do that. I'm a planner. I'm yeah. too much of a planner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's one or the other, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you must not like to plan things. People just have to say shit. They just always have to say shit. And especially since you never forget that you're pregnant for even one fucking second, you cannot forget. Your body won't let you forget. So then to have people constantly reminding you, too, with their comments. So what do we think? It's a boy or a girl? What's happening here? You know, I feel like it's definitely a boy. Marla didn't want to find out this time, but I kind of wish we did. In the 40s. Who needs the surprise, right? Well, you're going to find out any day now, so. Exciting. It's a long fucking 10 months. Remember how people like try to touch your bellies? Does that happen a lot? It does or... happen to people. <laughs> it didn't happen to me very much at all. Oh, hold on, sorry. Frankie, what is it, darling? Yeah, I don't know if it's a sea seal, so you don't want to put it in the tank because it might drown. Can we put him? Oh, I don't do that. Can we put him? But I gotta pet Sam. We'll put him somewhere. I hey, mean, he, he wants to live outside, so find a nice place for him outside, okay? That's where they like to live. He lives, like, on a rock. Okay. Well, then he probably wants to live on the rocks. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I can hear them coming, so. <laughs> uh, what were Oh, touching bellies. Yeah, I think I had, like, enough of a don't-fucking-touch-me look on my face that no one would do that, but... <laughs> but I definitely know people who that happened to them all the time. People with more inviting faces. <laughs> yeah, that's so wild. I heard that was a thing. Ugh, that's so weird. It's gross. I mean, consent is barely there anyway, but it goes right the fuck out the window when you're pregnant or have a kid, have a baby especially. Oh my God. It's just, that's the thing too, is like you think it'll stop when you have your baby, but it only gets worse. I love that shot of her when she's just like putting lotion on her big ass belly. <laughs> you just kind of can't believe it when you're looking down and you see this thing and you're like, I can't believe this is my body. I can't believe it's able to do this, expand in this way. <laughs> that was from, you look like you're about to pop. Oh, I loved after she has that just painful conversation with the principal and it gets to such ugly places. And then afterwards the principal's like, have a great day. <laughs> have a great day, okay? Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. One of my favorite lines was when she's with that principal 
she's like quirky there's that word again she's like do i have a kid or a fucking ukulele <laughs> there are places that are better suited to kids like jonah what does that mean kids like jonah well he's quirky and he, oh he needs God. a what is this quirky thing everybody keeps saying it's so stupid what does it even mean do i have a kid or a fucking ukulele just say what you mean more than one person in the movie has remarked about oh he's just he's quirky or something about her child and she's just like come on what are you really i don't know it's yeah. just you can really see the frustration. It's Just... a euphemism. <laughs> She's not a person that likes euphemisms. You know? Right, yeah. That's weird. Because, like, he doesn't exactly have... I don't think he is autistic, but he's got stuff going on that is a little different. So that's why people are like, well, I don't want to say he's autistic. They never say if he is or not. It's not helpful to know, I don't think, one way or the other. I don't get the impression that it's like, if someone says he's autistic, that'll be a relief to her. It's more like the individual things that make him frustrating to deal with. And how even her own husband says quirky at one point, and she really feels like she's alone yeah. in this mentality. The whole scene with her brother and her sister-in-law at dinner, I was just dying. <laughs> just the whole other kind of couple and their nanny, Shasta, their nanny. Hi guys, I made an obstacle course in the playroom if you want to come check it out. This is Shasta, our nanny. Hi. Chicken nuggets are full of growth hormones. Do you know what they do to the chickens at factory farms? What? They slice off their beaks with a hot blade so the chickens can't peck each other. <laughs> hate her. <laughs> With the chicken nuggets, just shut up. It's funny because there's a woman in my peps group who had a nanny that was, I mean, Shasta was basically that. She had the colored dreads and everything and the whole master's degree. Shasta's so awesome. She has a master's degree in early childhood education. I feel like she should be telling me what to do. The sister-in-law says, I could barely make it to the gym in my third trimester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the ninth month is tough. I, I remember I could barely make it to the gym. And and then she says, oh, the kids are just having truffle mac and cheese and something green for dinner. Where are the kids sitting? Oh, there is Shasta. They have their own little kid-friendly spread. Truffle mac and cheese, something green. Yeah, lucky little bastards. <laughs> truffle mac and cheese. And then, like, when she says, you really have your hands full with Jonah. There's that euphemism again. And then she goes, Siri, play hip-hop. Siri, play hip-hop. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I was like, oh my god. The husband was given a fancy bath or something by his boss. And Marlo's like, oh, my boss once gave me the flu. Jesus, don't have it here. She could have it in the Ufuro. We just got this Japanese soaking tub. Craig's boss gave it to us. Wow. My boss once gave me the flu. And it was just like <laughs> such a contrast. They lived very differently. I like in that conversation when he says he has something for her and she's like, is it money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not opposed to money. I have an idea for a special baby gift this time around. Ooh, is it money? No. I don't mind money. I'm not above that. You know that, right? Like, he says he wants to help, but really, does he? Cause, I mean, I guess he kind of offers money in a way because he offers her something that she couldn't afford otherwise. That whole thing's a hot prop, but we'll talk about that later. I really loved Mom, What's Wrong With Your Body. <laughs> it's kind of a hard relate. Partly just the way she says it, but when she first meets Telly and she comes upstairs, and Drew's like, what's she like? And she's like, weird. <laughs> the night nanny's downstairs. Uh, what's she like? Weird. What? Weird. Oh, 
we just gotta leave her down there with Mia? Yeah, I guess. Okay. But she is weird, too, so I like that a lot. I loved when she's watching that show, Gigolos, and <laughs> Tully starts asking her about the show. It's a reality TV show called Gigolos. What's it about? Gigolos. Who's he? That's Brace. He's the oldest of the Gigolos. And women pay to sleep with him. Well, no, he aged out, so they give him a position in uh, upper management. <gasps> She just knows so much about this show. I thought that was really funny. Wow, she's getting really into it. <laughs> I appreciated that. I binge watch a lot of things and can get really serious about explaining what I understand about the show. So I, I like <laughs> that part. And the fact that it was a show called Gigolos was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, she watches a bunch of different kinds of reality shows, and that's a whole thing. To unwind, this is not me, but I totally get doing that. Just watching, like, mindless shows like that, but then because you're watching them and you're a hyper-intellectual, you can't stop thinking about them and just overanalyzing everything that happens. Tully, her younger version, is doing all these exciting artistic things, and then what happens to that brain later when she's in mom mode is, like, I'm just gonna overanalyze trashy reality TV. I liked to watch avant-garde shit. I really like to lose my mind at artsy-fartsy stuff. What did you watch? I rewatched Twin Peaks when I was in my breastfeed zombie coma. I don't know, that's comforting to me for some reason. <laughs> Especially if I already know it's coming. Did you have anything in particular you watched when you were in that period? Uh, yeah, um, Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> she lays down the law. I appreciate Judge Judy. I think there's like a comfort in how certain she always is about, you know, as a very defined morality on that show. That's what I watched both kids during the newborn stage. That montage is amazing. It's like one of my favorite montages I've ever seen in a movie. The endless night cycle of dealing with a newborn. It's so fucking fantastic and nails it. It's edited perfectly. It includes everything I could remember. Spilling the breast milk and the pumping. I love when she drops her phone on the baby and wakes him <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, it gets everything. And honestly, this is how strong my baby fever always is. Like, it still made me want it. I'm like, oh god, I love babies so much. That baby is so cute. <laughs> that, totally, I'm like, oh god, I would totally do it again if I could. <laughs> It's good that I can't, you know, because it's yeah. probably a bad idea to have a baby, but I'm like, oh, that baby is so little, so sweet. Oh, man, I do not. <laughs> I feel wistful about my own babies, but I would never go back and do that again. Never, ever. I was so excited for them to not be newborns anymore. Well, especially Frankie did not sleep at all. Yeah. I'm surprised that I didn't have a psychotic break like this, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one particular night where he didn't sleep the whole night. Like, literally the entire night he was awake. <laughs> Therefore, I was awake. It wasn't that bad all the time, but he often would stay up until 1 or 2 in the morning with me trying to soothe him. But then there was one night where it was the whole fucking night. And it was fortunately a weekend, so then the next day I could just sleep all day because Chris was home, but oh my god, that was brutal. So I was glad when that ended and when he finally slept. Something I wrote down, she wanted to name her first daughter Mia. Yeah, it was my mom's name. I was always going to use it, but that became like really popular and there's 
to me as in my son's class. Who cares? What? Who cares if it's popular? It's a beautiful name. It's true, yeah. I feel like I like a lot of things that are really popular, and people would probably say that it's basic, I guess is what people say. Yeah. And uh, I'm just like, but I like it. You know what <laughs> I mean? I love Starbucks. I don't care. I like popular things, so. You know how I feel about that. I mean, yeah. basic, it's just a way to put people down for liking stuff. There's lots of popular stuff that's garbage, but there's also popular stuff because it's good. Yeah, people like Starbucks. It's delicious. I mean, I don't really like Starbucks, but like. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like that line. Like what you like. Right, because like, okay, so if you like popular things, you're basic. If you like unpopular things, you're a hipster snob. If you don't like anything, you're a hater. People just want to <laughs> put them down. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I know. As I'm in my 40s, I've been able to let go of a lot of that. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> in my middle age. I mean, I'm hoping that all that is going to kind of disappear. It seems like the young kids right now are not like that so much. I don't know. Maybe it's just the kids I know, but the kids that I know right now seem to be like, you like what you like and that's cool. And I hope that sticks around. I think the whole thing about Tully is that what Marlo needs is somebody to not judge her. That's really yeah. the basic need that she has here. She needs help too, sure, but she needs people to just fucking stop criticizing her for one second. So that's why Tully is like her Mary Poppins. Someone comes along and is like, no, you're doing a great job. Everything you're doing is great. Is this Angria? Yeah, I don't know. Always reminds me of college. You see, you are a homemaker. Because I hate Sangria. You know they make Sangria in prison toilets, right? I know, they call it Pruno. And the name thing, too, you know, like, people are judgmental about literally everything, but especially when it comes to kids. But we stopped telling people what names we were thinking about because everyone had some shit to say about it. And everyone has some association with the name. And it doesn't help you to hear that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you think it will be because you're like, well, I don't want my kid to walk through the world with people having these associations. But the thing is, people are going to have associations with every name. There's not one single name you can pick that someone's not gonna have an opinion about, so just go with what you want to do, you know? <laughs> she just needs to hear that from somebody. Right, that's another line I like when she tells her, you made your biggest dream come true. I like that they don't go too into their backstory. She and her brother had like a shitty childhood. They don't go that far into it. You're convinced that you're this failure, but you actually made your biggest dream come true. Oh my, what? That sameness that you despise, that's your gift to them. Waking up every day and doing the same things for them over and over. You'll do what you have to do and then you'll do it again. Mm. That's all I had to say about okay. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There were some of the little, like, Bon Moss that Tully was <laughs> I really liked her character a lot, though, because she would say things where I would kind of roll my eyes, but then I would think about them and I'm like, oh, it's kind of true. Like, she'll grow a little overnight and so will we. Even though this one's been Earthside for three weeks, her DNA is still inside of you. Right. No, actually, her cells will hang around in your bloodstream for years. And though Mia here be her own person someday, right now she's still very much an extension of you. She knows your smell, your voice, your heartbeat. And you know her better than anyone. I mean, you built her from the toes up. When I first heard that, I was like, ugh. But then I'm like... Oh, well, no, it's true. I don't know. That's why I kind of... I, I love that they're the same person. I love that twist because it really reconciles the two sides of you and how the world can affect you. When you're really the purest you, the world just wants to squash that. And it's nice to have, you know, your purity. <laughs> Not your purity, but your unfiltered self 
have that be celebrated by somebody. Right. And, you know, that's like also, it's a nice play on, there's that middle-aged trope. My 20-year-old self would be mortified if she saw me folding laundry or, you know, all the things that I do. And then how, in this case, her 20-year-old self or however old she is, is so impressed by her. Exactly the opposite of that trope, I guess. Yeah, it's a thought experiment about that, but it goes the way that it wouldn't normally go in your head. Everyone always thinks that their younger self would hate them. Another line I like is when she puts on the waitress costume, she's like, you've had zero kids. Any mail? <laughs> yeah, no, you're keeping that. <gasps> wow. Oh my god. You have had zero kids. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I also like where she... I definitely didn't look like that before I had kids anyway. When he's in the hospital, it's just, it's not like her to leave like that with no one watching the kids. And she says, weren't you home? I mean, I guess there's been a couple of moments that have been out of character. Uh, and I wouldn't ever expect her to drive drunk like that, you know, or leave the house without telling me so no one's watching the kids. But weren't you home? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> I really like that. And I like at the end when she's brushing Jonah and he says, is this real? You ready? Mom, is this real? What do you mean? I'm not sure what it's supposed to do. Well, honestly, I don't know. Do you like it when we do it? I like when I you. Which is such a good kid question yeah of course for me the thing that resonates a lot is the frozen pizza awesome thing hey frozen pizza awesome um thought we weren't doing screen time oh you know it's fine by me it's it's your rule are we changing the rules that very much resonated with me (laughs) we came up with these rules and then you weren't there so you didn't see how they played out One time, I took both my kids with me to Costco, which right there is kind of nightmare scenario. Yeah. I mean, my kids aren't bad like that, but, you know, going to Costco at all is a big pain, and then having both kids with me. Come home, like, bringing everything in, putting everything away. There's all this fruit, all this whatnot, and then, because my kids were with me, they were sampling, you know, they were always sampling at Costco, and they were sampling these pizza rolls, and my kids sampled them and loved them, so we bought a box, and as I'm unbagging everything putting everything away which is like holds it up it's like frozen pizza rolls and then he's like why are you so defensive like why are you mad really mad because i said i'm like and i even said i was like it's exactly like that thing from that movie he got very offended by that it's a whole thing oh my god but yeah it just captures like the invisibility of so much of what mothers do. You do so much and then someone notices the thing that you didn't do that well. Right. It's like, why don't you have anything to say about anything else? Or why do you have to say anything? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. I know. Do we really need your two cents here? I don't know if we do. <laughs> Everything was going fine until you showed up to criticize. Oh, I like when they're driving around in the city and she's playing the that used to be that game. That's like one of my favorite games. (laughs) This is my old neighborhood. God, I lived here for nine years. It used to not be this nice, though. Look, that's a bakery for dogs. What it used to be? A bakery for humans. But there's a fucking lobby now? And furniture? (laughs) 
So I feel like they were in their city's version of Capitol Hill. I don't know. Was it New York City? I think. But anyway, they were like in the hipster neighborhood, and like definitely like when we go to Capitol Hill, it's always like how far back can you name this building? The last three or four businesses that used to be. We thought about doing that as a dodeca event, like just have a picture of a building today and be like. This used to be six different businesses. Who can name the most businesses that this was? That's a good one. I would not be good at it. I think another Seattle thing like that is what used to be in New Village. Yes. New Village just morphed so much over time. There are people who remember a bowling alley, I think. Yes, my husband is one of those people. I mean, that's way back. I remember Ernst, which is pretty far back. (laughs) You feel it has morphed so much over the years. That's a very Seattle game to be like, what you remember of your village. Oh, I really like the line where her son is in the bathroom by himself and he's scared to flush the toilet because it's going to be loud. And then she's frustratedly screams, the world is a loud toilet. Like, you have to get over this. (laughs) Frankie was really scared of hand dryers. Yeah, yeah, which they really are very low. The automatic flushing toilets, he didn't like how they would just flush sporadically. So he was really scared of that. For a while, I would have trouble convincing him to pee in a toilet that was going to flush automatically, which was really fun when he was potty training. (laughs) They have this at the specifics, he calls it the specific science center. And I remember going there when he was potty training and being like, they only have these toilets and he has to pee. Oh my God, it's going to be so bad. When we go in there, he's going to (laughs) cry. Trying to keep it from flushing while he's peeing in it. So that was a hard relate. I love the world is a loud toilet. These are things yeah. you have to get used to. It is pretty trippy to think about getting used to the world as a kid, especially with babies. When you think about babies looking at stuff and you're like, this is the first time you've ever seen this very ordinary thing and how they right. would sometimes, Lulu would trip out on stuff all the time. She always acted like she was on LSD. She would just be like, wow, what's that? Oh my God, what's that? When her boobs get really engorged, that would happen to me a lot. And I'd go out and try to have a nice fun time and then there would be the inevitable point in the evening where my boobs would get really swollen and painful. And I've definitely done that, squeezing my tits out in a bar bathroom sink. Definitely done that. And being a little drunk when I'm doing it. I know when I get home, I'm going to have to pump and I'm going to have to do the pump and dump. You basically have like white Russians in your tits. And then while she was crying and squeezing breast milk out of her boobs, she's like, I miss my baby. Diablo Cody really nailed this the whole thing. <laughs> she fucking nailed it. One of the early scenes with Jonah when she's trying to park the car and he's like, other lot, other lot. And she's like, Jesus Christ, the other lot is full. Jonah? I have to meet with Mrs. Bell. Like three minutes ago. Let's just park here, okay? I have to meet with Mrs. Bell three minutes ago. Let's just park here. kids get so married to routine they really do get upset when things are a little different sometimes and that's why it's so fucking stressful to have small kids you never know when something's gonna trigger them something right. totally innocuous that you're gonna have to deal with you're right. just walking like, around with these like, ticking time bombs up that's I think every parent in the world you know, has had a toddler that had a banana meltdown or something you did wrong to a banana, like peeled it from the other way or you cut it or it broke. You know? yeah. like, you're trying to like glue the banana back together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Frankie is like, 
he's getting better now, but for the longest time, that whole thing about food being complete, like the Oreos at camping that time. <laughs> Our friend Darshan bought some, he had some like discount Oreos that he got. It was like the reason that they were so deeply discounted is because they were all broken inside. And my son kept picking out an Oreo and it would be broken and he would cry and he would like then go for another one. Like, they were all broken. <laughs> but he would get hold of himself and then reach in for another Oreo and then that would be broken too. And it was hilarious and tragic at the same time. It was a true tragic comedy that moment. Right. And that's just what it that is with little kids, right? You can't just be like, okay, eat it anyway. It's the same thing. It's still an Oreo, you know? It's like a taste. Yeah. And when you put it in your mouth, it's not going to be whole anymore. They really are just like the most unreasonable people. Oh, and she's giving the baby the pacifier, and she's begging the baby to take the pacifier. Just take it. Please, please just take it. It's like, I just need you to stop crying. They did a really good job with the sound effects of the baby crying. They got that primal baby cry. And the breastfeeding. The breastfeeding sound effects were, like, really accurate. I think they must have had like a boob double or something because there is a breastfeeding shot where they show the latch. They never pan up to Charlize's face. So then they cut later and she's got a baby in front of her. They must have had a breast milk double. They had to like do a casting call for a breastfeeding mom. <laughs> Unless it was the mom. It might have been the actual mom of that baby. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be weird to be like, you have to come in and have this actor baby latch on your boob. <laughs> That's no business babies. <laughs> That makes me think of Selma Hayek, who would take her big milk titties to places and breastfeed underprivileged children. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. Oh, I never knew about that. Oh. She was like, my boobs produce so much milk, I just have to share it. And she would just go and breastfeed babies. She's got magic titties, but Selma Hayek. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. My first thought prop was, I'll just go to order. Why is she so hard on that poor assistant principal or whatever, Dallas? I don't know what Dallas's job description is, but she's so verbally abusive to Dallas. Don't hate your kid. It's just not the right fit. Dallas, would you please walk around? Don't fucking touch me, Dallas. Look, I'm here to apologize for the other day. I brought in all a French of sorts. Actually, it's a cupcake. But sorry, Dallas, I only brought one. I'm like, what did Dallas ever do to you? I don't know why she she's so hard on that guy. And then also, like, since they are the same person, was she really doing all that stuff at night? She really was sleepwalking, making cupcakes, making perfect cupcakes, cleaning the house really well. Yeah, I wondered that too. So she made up the night nurse and told her husband that she had hired a night nanny. Yeah, I wondered that too. How did that work? Well, I mean, I thought that was was one of the points of it was that she did all the things that she thought she was supposed to do. You know, they were saying, oh, I don't want what happened last time to happen. But she was also like, she had these expectations of herself. This is what a mom does. A mom keeps a clean house and makes cupcakes for the kids and makes everybody think that everything is fine. And then it shows you put these expectations on yourself that are so high and this is what happened. And it's like, no, actually she's suffering from like extreme exhaustion. 
they feel like what it's saying is, no, this really can't be done. If you see someone that seems like she's just doing it all and sailing through motherhood, either she's got help or she's actually really suffering inside and just hiding it. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'll buy that. But then I guess the other thing related to that is that how did her brother not know that he wasn't paying for the nanny? Because there was that exchange between her husband and her brother where her husband's like, oh yeah, we hired that nanny. And then her brother had offered to pay for it. So why wasn't he in that moment like, oh, am I paying for that? Or Because he knew they didn't have the money to hire somebody. Yeah, you guys were right. We should have listened. But what? The night nanny. Mm. You called her. Dude, it's a game changer. I didn't think Marla was going to come around. Yeah. She seems really awake. <laughs> yeah, she actually got a weird Stevie Nicks. Stevie! Baby! Hey, I just met you. that the first time we saw it not knowing that she wasn't real seemed like wait why didn't he know that you know when he says oh we called that nanny and he's like oh you did i think what happens is they sort of get interrupted right away mm-hmm. ron livingston wants to keep talking about it and then someone interrupts her the subject gets changed like i feel like that's intentional like as putting a little clue but still making it make sense like if they had kept talking it probably would have come up. Someone either changed the subject or interrupted. Oh, he was watching the, he was watching her like sing Call Me Maybe with the daughter, <laughs> the karaoke. I love that scene. But yeah, he was telling him, oh yeah, it's been such a game changer. Had it kept going, he would have had to get more of an explanation about the payment. How'd that work out? Because it made it seem like he only gave Marlo the night nanny's contact information and Maybe he just assumed that she never ended up doing anything about it. But then he hears at the party that they they did do something. So Yeah, he definitely didn't know, but it just seems like he's not paying attention or something in that conversation. Is it just that it's just two clueless dudes talking and they just don't think about things that hard? So that's why it goes by yeah. unnoticed. They're just like, I'm sure it worked itself out somehow. I won't think about it too hard unless you tell me I have to. I mean, there's something like, I think he changes the subject because Drew definitely wants to keep talking about it. And then he just says something out. Like, he's just like not interested in talking to him. Because they both think the other one hates them. Right. That's kind of a funny thing, how they both think the other person hates them. Right. But then it's, they don't really, I guess. I mean, I don't think that either one of them really likes the other one at all. They don't really like each other. They don't want to admit it. So they put it on the other one. Mm, That makes sense. Through dude logic, I guess. Oh, and then how did she not recognize her younger self then? If that is her younger self. I feel like I would have recognized my younger self, even though I used to look a lot different. (laughs) I would still know it was me. Right. What does she know and what doesn't she know? Because in the end, when they have that last conversation, it's very explicit. You're my younger self. Yeah, you're not going to learn Italian. If I'm older, why are you so much wiser? Because I'm 26. All I have is time to think about stuff. Such a shame you're gonna forget it all after three pregnancies. I just started learning Italian. Do I forget that? <sighs> Never get past good evening. Mm, sorry. It's not clear like what exactly is happening in her head. Is it like her postpartum like you know I don't want to say psychosis but it's not clear to me like this is her imaginary friend that she's aware of like what if my younger self could come and help me right now I don't think that she literally really thinks this is the night nanny that I hired from my brother but she does tell her husband that she's there I mean that whole initial conversation if that hadn't happened then I wouldn't think about it so hard I guess but 
Because the first time she shows up, she comes upstairs and is like, the night nanny's downstairs. And her husband's like, what's she like? You know, they have that exchange. You know, it sounds fully then that moment like she thinks they hired a night nanny. Yeah. Is she just telling Drew that? Like, is it, you know, she really didn't want to do that. But then, you know, Drew and her brother are both worried about her. I don't want what happened last night to happen again. Like, she just tells him that so he won't worry. I mean, I feel like a lot of what's happening in this movie is how she doesn't want people to worry about her. Like, she wants people to think that she's okay. It's not clear to me, like, what exactly happened? What did she think was happening? I mean, I guess it's clear what did happen, which was, like, nothing, but, you know. <laughs> it seemed like the husband in the end, it seemed like he really believed that they did have a night nanny, but he had never seen her before. And that was kind of hard to believe that in this whole period that he would never notice a woman coming to wake his wife up you know they share the same bed but he would never have noticed this person in their house at all that part seemed a little hard to wrap my brain around he would think if someone's coming to wake her up a couple times in the night I just felt like that would be hard to believe that he would have never woken up I do believe that (laughs) so wait she was in our bedroom last night yeah she brought Mia over to nurse, and then she just sat in the shadows waiting for me to finish. Oh, creepy. How did I not wake up? God, I can't imagine. Very easy for me to believe that. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay, well, I don't have experience <laughs> no. with it. That was very believable to me in my experience, that a husband could sleep through the getting up in the night. And then they showed every time she came upstairs, he's sitting there playing video games with headphones on. He's kind of checked out. Like, he goes to work, he comes home, he has his exchange with his kids, he goes upstairs and puts on his headphones and does his video game unwinding thing, and then he sleeps all the way through the night, every night. It's pretty realistic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely had conversations with my husband in the morning where he'd be like, oh, the baby slept through the night. And I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Are you talking about yourself? (laughs) Because our baby did not sleep through the night. It is kind of amazing what people can sleep through. I don't know. I've always been a really shitty light sleeper, though. Always. Even before I had babies. I guess, and then the other thing I don't... I didn't really understand the whole mermaid motif. The first time I saw this movie... This is the second time I saw this movie. The first time I saw it, I thought that the twist was going to be that Tully was a mermaid. Because <laughs> I'm just like, what's all the mermaid shit? I don't get the mermaid thing. I didn't get it either. <laughs> she fell asleep at the wheel or passed out at the wheel, essentially. For her to have survived that would have been kind of a miracle. In the movie, it was Tully as a mermaid pulling her out or saving her somehow, but I kind of wondered about that too. I was like, it seemed like it would be hard to survive that, but maybe she woke up and saved herself. I guess they established yeah. that she's capable of doing a lot of shit in her sleep, so. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> yeah. Including punching out a window and she's underwater and swimming to safety. It's also a little white privilege hot prop that there's not even a question of there being consequences for drunk driving. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They're just glad that this white woman's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Well, it ended kind of like wrapped in a bow a little bit. She's back with her family, her husband and her making lunches, and there's no intervention or anything. 
Right. Even like a conversation with a cop or something, you know, where they even just say like, all right, we're not going to press charges or anything. Or maybe she gets points on our license. Is that a thing? I don't know. You can be having a psychotic break. It still doesn't make mm-hmm. drunk driving legal or safe or okay. You yeah. Know, but I also believe that. I mean, I believe that that's how that would play out. I don't feel like that woman would have gone to jail or anything. Surely she'd have to go to traffic school, though, or something. Maybe. I mean, God. I had to go to traffic school for driving 10 miles over the speed limit. Wow, really? Because <laughs> it was reckless driving. Yeah. I was 18, though, so maybe they were like, we'll teach this. This kid oh, needs yeah. to learn. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much to get them to want to send people to traffic school. Like, definitely driving drunk. I'm pretty sure you do always have to go, if you get a DUI, you have to go to at least like a fucking all day seminar or something. Even if you're a nice, nice white lady from the suburbs, but I don't know. They don't have to actually, you only have to do that if they actually charge you with a DUI. Oh yeah, you're right. I had a couple hot probs. You know, this is always a hot prob like that this baby it's like obviously unplanned which they refer to a couple times so i always like a little more detail there although for me it seems believable that they were being careless with their birth control and what their conversation about whether to have the baby or not i could see them as a family being like oh, whoops we had a little oops here and deciding to have it like that was all believable to me it's just my thing i always like a little more detail it wasn't planned but it was still decided on yeah, no. I totally agree. Like yeah, because it makes it seem like having a baby is the default instead of right. getting rid of a baby would be the default if you don't want it. You have an unplanned pregnancy, you still make a decision yeah. whether it's a baby or not. And then it is planned. And my other hot problem is uh, in that conversation with the principal when she says, he's not quirky, he's retarded. I feel like people don't really say that word, <laughs> so, you know? yeah. You know, this movie is only like 2018. It wasn't a different time. I feel like people had stopped using that word by then. Yeah. I mean, unless the point of that is just like, that's how bad off she is, is that she's snapping because she's so upset. Not that it's saying it's okay to use that word, but more like this is a woman that's not okay. Like, that's how not okay she is. But I definitely see, I mean, it's always, it's hard to hear that word ever. (laughs) Kind of jarring. Yeah. Next call. And this is not a prop at all, but it was just something that I noticed. There's one point where she and Tully are watching a movie together, and you can only see what they're watching in the reflection of the window. But what I noticed, this was my fourth time watching this movie, <laughs> watching The Fabulous Stains. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, I would really like to, to ask Jason Reitman why they're watching that movie. It was a fun thing to notice. Oh, that's a sign. I think that's a sign that we need to do that movie. I really like in Diablo Cody movies, the music, like there was a montage, I think with Tully, and it was like a, an acoustic version cover of You Only Live Twice. I love that James Bond song. <laughs> And then they're driving to Brooklyn, and there there's a whole montage of Cindy Lauper. <laughs> they listen to Cindy Lauper's greatest hits, the Twelve Deadly yeah. Sins. <laughs> I will get you, I will get you. 
love that so much. She hits all of these pop culture things for me that I'm just like, oh, that was so great, you know? She does have good taste in music, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Apparently, so the song in the closing credits, and I think it's later, it's earlier in the movie, too. This is a fun fact I found out. The band is called Beulah Bell, and the lead singer is Caitlin Deaver from Booksmart. Oh, my God. I didn't know she was a... A musician? That's cool. Yeah. After I read that, I listened to her voice, and then I recognized it, because she sings in Booksmart, she sings You Oughta Know. She's got a much better voice in her band. She's doing a she's doing movie singing in Booksmart. I was wondering about Charlie's Theron, actually, like, if that's her real singing voice, or if she's doing movie singing in the Call Me Maybe scene. She's definitely doing funny movie running. Like, my husband's, one of his favorite parts was when she's running, because she's running so awkwardly, and then he likes the competition part where she tries to overtake this young lady and then passes out, because he's like, we've seen her run in Mad Max Fury Road, and she does not look ridiculous running. She looks really cool running. (laughs) So she's clearly capable of running in a very athletic way, but she does this very good out-of-shape run. I love her diaper walk, too, when she's in the hospital. She walks to the bathroom in the diaper. I love that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she re- researched this role well by living it. And apparently she did gain 50 pounds for this role. Wow. She ate in and out burgers and milkshakes, and wow. she would eat macaroni and cheese every morning at 2 a.m. Wow. I was surprised it was that hard for her to gain 50 pounds. I feel like I would not have to work that hard. <laughs> I know, like, huh. I'll just add one extra donut a day to my diet, and that would do it, I think. Oh, and then she said while she was doing that, her youngest child accused her of being actually pregnant. I loved Young Adult, the other Diablo Cody, Charlize Theron. That was a great movie. It has a lot of good music. I did uh, not did care for that. I didn't care for that movie. Oh. Uh, I mean, I should, I should see it again. I can't, well, you thought it was okay, Amy? I don't know. I, I thought her character was too unlikable. There wasn't anything redeeming for me there. Even though I really like Charlize Theron a lot, I really hated her character. I have to have something I like about a character who enjoy the movie. Yeah, I'm somewhere in between. Like, I thought it was okay, but I didn't love it. Yeah, she definitely was very mean in that movie. I liked Patton Oswalt in it. I feel like she captures the high school mentality from when I was in high school. Not that I really liked high school and you could never pay me to go to high school again, but I felt like it was really accurate to what <laughs> It was like. Oh, I liked how she, this I guess is kind of an Eskimo, but not exactly, because I don't know if I liked her joke, but the whole when she's in the office talking to the principal, and the principal's like, you need to get an aid for your kid, but we're not going to provide the aid, and she makes the joke about have to get aids all by myself. And so that aid is here on staff? No, we don't provide aids. <laughs> so I have to go out and get aids all by myself. Yes, you need to hire this person. I'm paying for aids. One aid. He just needs one eight. And then the principal doesn't laugh. <laughs> like, I don't, I didn't think it was that great of a joke, but I totally relate to making jokes and having people not laugh at all and then feel super weird. I totally feel that. I have that a lot in my life. <laughs> that was you, Christina Marie, when you worked at West Elm and someone asked to validate their parking and you're like, you're great at parking. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did I say? What happened? You said, I mean, you worked at West Elm, right? Yeah. And you, you said one time someone asked you to validate their parking, and you were like, you're great at parking. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was a Facebook post from you at that time. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. 
That is a good joke. They were wrong to not laugh. I still have my name tag. My West Elm name tag is on my refrigerator. And I was a Lyft driver. I might still have some Lyft merch somewhere. I didn't know that. I'm always stoked when I get a lady Lyft driver. It doesn't happen very often. You know where it happens yeah. a lot is in Austin. I would say 50% of the time we got picked up by, I think it was cabs then, but still. 50% of the time we get picked up, it would be a woman. And I was really stoked about that. It takes the creepiness factor out of it by a lot. Especially if you're by yourself. Like, oh, a lady's going to come pick me up. I'm fine. I don't have to worry about this at all. I liked Todd's idea from BoJack Horseman. <laughs> the lift for ladies. Has a creepy driver ever given you his number? Or told you that you reminded him of his dead girlfriend? Or repeated your address slowly like he was trying to memorize it? No, never. Unfortunately, if you were a woman, all those things would happen to you every day. That's right, Todd. According to my own research, 9 out of 10 men are total dirtbag creeps. But what if there was a rideshare service that could guarantee no creepy men drivers because there are no men drivers at all? What are you saying, robot drivers? What if they become sentient and try to murder us? Or unionize? That could be a real headache. I feel like there was a thing like that very briefly, and then it was technically illegal or something, or it just didn't take off or something. Mm. I think you can't officially not hire men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad there's protections like that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you also can't officially not hire women, but, you know, I mean, yeah. that company is, you know. Yeah. It's like the, the guy in, in Florida who sued Hooters because he wanted to be an employee there. So just remember that was a big lawsuit in Florida. Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> Florida man sues uh, Hooters. But, yeah, no, I mean, I could see the appeal of that because when I was younger, taxi drivers asking me out, I'm kind of captive in the backseat of your car right now and really uncomfortable. <laughs> I had a guy one time pick me up. I lived in Lower Queen Anne and I was really drunk and I got a cab home. So it took me a minute to realize that he was nowhere near Lower Queen Anne. He was Upper Queen Anne. This was a long time ago before everyone had GPS and shit in their car. Definitely told him my address and Lower Queen Anne. And then I realized we were in Upper Queen Anne, and I was like, what? We're not anywhere near my house. You need to turn here. And he was kind of mad about it. And then I started to worry that he was going to drive me somewhere to do something bad to me. So then I stopped giving him directions. Then I saw the meter going up, and I'm like, uh, this is getting really expensive, and you're lost, and you need to follow my directions to go home. And it was really scary. I was like, should I get mad at Should I just get out of the car? What should I do right now? And finally, he followed my directions and took me home, and I didn't tip him. <laughs> And it turned out fine, but it was like a very terrifying ride because I didn't know where it was going and what his motivations were, if he was really just lost or if he was trying to rack up the meter or he had other nefarious intent. It can be very scary. I love the new service now where you can at least track it and there's a record of the ride and yeah. at least you got all that because it used to be pretty sketchy. <laughs> So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. The lunchtime poll question is, what unpleasantness would your imaginary friend handle for you? What would you conjure an imaginary friend up to take care of for you? I would want the opposite of what this movie is, where it's like, if you were going through a hard time and your younger self came to help you out. I always want my older self, myself from the future. And I don't even want to get that much into the hard time that I just finished going through but that one and the other hardest time for me was when I was trying to get pregnant and dealing with infertility I did not handle that well at all it's such a like deep depression about that 
So if I had had my future self to come tell me this all works out, you'll have these two great kids and it'll go by so fast. And this time is such a short portion of your life. And then just any time during my very unhappy marriage, if someone came from the future to tell me there's a time in your life where you're not married to him, that's my answer. This too shall pass, kind of thing. Yeah. Mine's very petty and boring, <laughs> but I just hate fucking tidying the house. I hate picking up all the kids' toys and putting them back where they go, and it's just such a Sisyphusian task. Every day, there's things to put away, and I feel like I just put this thing here, and it's so tedious. And those are the moments in my life where I'm like, I just want to be doing anything but this. Even, like, cleaning is not as bad as tidying. Picking shit up. I'd much rather clean a toilet than put toys away. (laughs) I just would love every day for someone to zombie through that or sleepwalk through it or have it be done. I'm like, oh, it's done. The house is tidy. Well, mine would be going to work for me. Sometimes I just need a little assistance when I can't really handle stress. Having an imaginary friend could help. I guess along those lines, sometimes I do. When I have to do a bunch of shit that I don't really feel like doing, but there are life things that I have to do to live and to move on with my life and take care of myself. And sometimes I just kind of pretend like I'm my own personal assistant. So I'm just like, okay, here's what we got to do for Christina. We have to do this. We have to call these people and we have to, we're just going to do this. And I actually talk myself into doing it and get it done by pretending I'm doing it for someone else. It's a weird thing, but somehow it works for me. Being my own personal assistant is how I do a lot of things I don't feel like doing (laughs) in general. Nice. I love that. That seems like you could sort of write a therapy book based on that idea. (laughs) Be your own personal assistant. Yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment, and it helped me a lot. I like it. Oh, very. I guess I do want to just shout the praises of Mackenzie Davis, because she's fucking phenomenal. I've seen her in a bunch of things I really like. There's an indie called Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town that I watched for review a couple years ago when it came out. Highly recommend it. She's just so good. She's like a budding character actress. She was in the latest Terminator, Terminator Dark Fate, which was also really good. It was probably the best, second best, maybe, maybe the best, but the second best Terminator movie after Terminator 2. It was really good. And it picks up after T2. It pretends that all the shitty Terminator movies that happened in between didn't happen, which I really like. (laughs) They're just like, forget it. None of that happened. And it's got three female leads, which is pretty awesome for an action movie. Oh, she's Blade Runner 2049, which... I really love too. She's just so good. She's very young, so she's got a long career ahead of her. Mackenzie Davis is the shit. And she also has amazing arms. <laughs> I love her arms. The scene where she's helping squeeze the boobs out, her arm is in the foreground, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> just, I'm a big appreciator of women with buff arms. I love it. I had to say that, Mackenzie. I love you. We can wrap up, Tilly, unless you guys have any closing remarks. I'll say last thing and then I'm going to go, but Lucy didn't want to do a Keggers with Kids, but fun fact, this was the first R-rated movie that I ever let Lucy watch. Oh, cool. (laughs) I liked it a lot. It was like maybe like a year ago. I don't know, whenever it was first streaming. Do you guys want to try to do Fabulous Stains next week, maybe? I don't know if it's available everywhere. Yeah, I'll look for it. It's called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. Scarecrow just started like a rental by mail thing. I haven't looked into it, but that might be doable. (laughs) On the next episode of Paid and Puke, 
We put out for Lou Adler's 1982 Riot Girl origin story, Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains, starring Diane Lane and Laura Dern. If you enjoyed this episode of Kate and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Hayden Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Hayden Puke Pod, or join us on Facebook at Hayden Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.